Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. I've been looking forward to to, to doing this uh, when I was talking to Matt about a couple, two, three months back. I was like, you think I might be able to grab the QB? And he goes, yeah, probably. So let's just, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll hope yeah. for it. But uh, yeah, man. So thank you for taking some time. Yeah, of course. Um, Dude, is that, is that, what is that? Is that an old school Canucks hat you got on there? Or what is that? Yeah, it's an old school. Well, it's, I guess it's kind of old school. Well, old is new, new is old. It's, yeah. it's getting there, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I be, I grew up here, right? So I was a fan of the Canucks and the Lions and uh, and the Whitecaps and everything, right? So, awesome. Um, how do you how do you feel the season's been going so far? Um, I mean, you look at it; it feels about like our record is. I mean, two and two. Um, Having played three games on the road, honestly, and with a brand new staff, brand new team, and having the 20 months off or so, it feels about like that. Some good, some bad, right? Like we still have a lot of room for improvement for sure. Pretty Uh, early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's weird because it's like Labor Day, right? Like we just got done with the Labor Day Classic games and all that, which is generally when you kind of know who the contenders are and who who aren't all that kind of stuff. And it's like you feel this like – push for playoff positioning and that that's still kind of the case, but it's weird because we're only a month into the season, right. With the, the push, you know, the delayed start and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, I feel, I feel like we have some really good stuff that we've done. Um, I feel like we're going to be a really good team, but we still got a ways to go for sure. And so with uh, red block coming up this weekend, who are some of the, the, the few players that you want to make sure to shut these guys down? Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they've, they've certainly had some turmoil, if you will, on their team. Um, you know, Matt, people people were kind of, uh, you know, Matt Nichols, their starting quarterback, is a good friend of mine. I oh, is he? Nice. Yeah, I mean, we played together in Edmonton and things like that, and, and he's a great nice. guy, and I think he's a great player too. Um, you know, I think that they have a lot of things that they've kind of struggled with on their team, but people were, you know, media and, and fan base and, and stuff like that were talking about giving Dominique Davis a chance. And, and he came in, you know, I don't know if it was late in the first or in the second quarter in their game against Montreal last week. And, and they ended up getting some touchdown drives and things like that. So it's hard to say, like, I assume that, that they're probably going to go with Dom to start the game, but I don't really know. Um, You know, so if that's the case, he presents a little bit different challenge than Matt Nichols does because he's more of a mobile quarterback. And so, you know, those guys, uh, you know, Matt's a great passer, but Dominique is way more mobile. So it's like if he extends a play that presents some challenges and things like that. So you kind of got to prepare a little differently. Um, you know, and that's, that's their offense. I'm more concerned about their defense. Of course, yes, right? exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to be on the field when their offense on the field. So, you know, I'll leave that to our defense to take care of that business, but um, their defense is, is another kind of question mark in the sense that they've had a ton of injuries over the last two weeks. Like, they start out the first two weeks of the season playing really, really good football. Uh, Benavides obviously is a guy that, that Vancouver and BC Lion fans know very well um, as their defensive coordinator. And I know him really well. Um, and he had those guys playing great the first couple of weeks. And then it was like right before we played them, they had like this devastating amount of injuries in their secondary. And, and then they had some more injuries before their game against Montreal. So they've kind of been shuffling the deck a little bit. Um, you know, they got a good defensive line. They got a good linebacking crew uh, and their secondary can be good. Um, it's just, it's hard to have continuity when you have all these injuries and things like that. So for us, 
it's more about worrying about what we do and making sure that we just are efficient. Um, our challenge this year has kind of been finishing in the red zone. We get down, we've moved the ball really well, but we need to finish with touchdowns and not field goals. So that's going to be our main focus for sure. Yeah. And do you play just a little bit better when it's like you say, you, you, you know, the guy you're going up against, you, it's like somehow there's just <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, bit. You I know? Think so yeah, there's familiarity there, of course. Um, the same as on the flip side of it though, like Benny knows me really well too. Right. So um, right. you're not going to like surprise him with anything, um, you know, but we spent three years in Edmonton and my first three years in the CFL and BC practicing against each other every single day. Right. So uh, we played a lot of football against each other, each other, maybe just not on game day. So this is a little bit different, uh, you know, but um, it, he's going to be fired up. I'm sure coming back to, to Vancouver to play um, and he's oh, going to totally. have guys amped up and ready to go, you know, and, and they didn't, they didn't have the greatest game last week. Um, you know, so they're going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder to try to make amends and things like that. Um, so again, stuff that we can't really concern ourselves with, we just got to focus on ourselves. It's yeah. so early in the season. We're such a new team that it's like, man, we just, we just got to worry about what we do, you know? Yeah, true, true. And it's cool as you progress through, you know, as a kid through to high school and college and, you know, get to the NFL we're talking about that in a sec and the CFL. And, um, I I'm curious, like, what is your first football memory? Oh, yeah, I, I I know exactly what it is. So I've been playing football since I was like six years old. My dad coached. I have an older brother who was playing before me, right? So, um, I you know, I was kind of allowed to play a little bit younger than most kids because, you know, who's going to sign the permission slip? Well, the dad's the coach. <laughs> he doesn't care. Right. He'll take the responsibility if I get hurt. Um, but I was the I was the starting quarterback of the C team. So it, in, we had this thing called grid kids that we played, and it was like A, B, and C team. A was the oldest, B was the middle, C was the youngest. Um, and that was all prior to, like, middle school. So I was the starting quarterback of the C team. Uh, but the starting quarterback on the A team, so two age groups above me, had gotten hurt. And uh, so my dad was like, well, what the hell? I guess you'll just play for both teams. And so <laughs> nice. C team always played first, and then the A team played right afterwards. Um, and so I remember, like, playing the game for the C team and then running over the sideline. My mom would have, like, a hot dog from the concession stand, and I would crush that and, like, maybe a bottle of water, and then I'd run back onto the field and start playing for the A team. So, um you know, it was like, it's just what it was. It was kind of a normal thing for us was just, if you can, if you can walk, you can play. And so that's kind of what we did. <laughs> and and so at, at what age are you like, you know, maybe I, maybe I can go all the way. Oh, probably when I was six. <laughs> I probably, <laughs> nice. probably thought that. I mean, I remember watching <laughs> NFL games on Sundays. Um, and for whatever reason, like Dan Marino was my favorite player. I love the way he played, but like, I think I just liked the Dolphins too. They had cool colors. Yeah. I mean, I'm growing up in Washington State, which is about as far away from Miami as you could possibly get in the United States. And yet I was like a massive Dolphins fan. And I just remember watching NFL games on Sundays and, and thinking like, man, this is what I want to do. And, you know, we just we played all the time. I had two brothers. And so and we had some good friends that lived in the neighborhoods. So we're always playing like backyard football. Um, you know, I remember like we were playing in the wintertime. We get snow every once in a while. We'd be out in the backyard playing football. My, my, my best friend growing up, Garrett near, he lost a tooth and we found it like embedded in one of our shoes. Like we were playing football and it got knocked out and like ended up in the rubber sole of a shoe. So it's like football was always a part of everything. So I thought from a very young age that I was going to play pro football. I mean, I think probably every little kid that plays sports thinks that, but uh, that was just kind of always my, my goal and my plan was to play pro football, you know, in some capacity. 
and and so which, which is harder they always they always compare you know you've played with the seahawks played the rams and packers and steelers of course yeah. the eskimos or the elks now yeah uh, lions a couple times now yeah. which is the harder one because i mean i mean it's two totally different games right like right big time. similar as they are they are totally different and i've seen guys you know come up to the cfl that you know, get cut in training camp because they just can't really grasp the game or figure it out. And and you think to yourself like, okay, they're not, you know, they're not a very good player. And then they, you know, six months later, you see them, they're on a roster in the NFL and playing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and likewise, I've seen some of the guys that are the greatest players that I played with in Canada, get an opportunity in, in the NFL and get released in training camp, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's a different game. Some things translate very similarly and some things don't uh, quarterbacking is, is a, in my opinion, a much different game in the CFL than it is the NFL. Um, with our field being bigger, uh, there are different throws that you have to make that you aren't even a throw in the NFL. Um, but with the NFL field being smaller and, you know, for the most part, the guys being a little bit faster in the NFL, the windows are much tighter and things like that. So, um, and timing is much more important. It's important in the CFL, but it, it all, it's, I guess, king in the NFL, Um, you know, and then there's just some of the mobility stuff, some things that we do in the CFL that, you know, offenses are doing here. Two years later, you see them ending up in the NFL. Like everybody talks about this like RPO thing, run pass option. We've been doing that since before I came into this league uh, in the CFL. And like, this is something that just started happening in the NFL, like four or five years ago. Right. Uh, you know, and everybody in the NFL thinks like, or in America thinks like, wow, this is like this new invention. It's like, no, we've been doing that forever up here, you know? Um, you know, so, and then again, like defensive linemen have to be a yard off the line of scrimmage. So it's like some guys that are really good in the CFL, uh, you can wake ends up being one of the best players in the NFL for a long period of time. But then there's other guys that are great in CFL that wouldn't be able to play in the NFL. And then you get other guys again, like you got guys that get cut um, and come up to the CFL and they don't even, they don't even make it to the regular season. So uh, definitely amazing players in both league, incredible respect to both leagues. Um, you know, again, as some of the best athletes in the world are in the NFL, but uh, some of the best athletes in the CFL aren't far behind either. So. Right. You're not running for a politician, are you? <laughs> I just don't want to get That's a pretty up. good answer. I don't want to get beat up in my own locker. Room. That's a pretty good answer. Um, <laughs> talk about your pregame, uh, your ritual. What do you? What's your pregame? Yeah, that's that has changed over the years. I mean, I've been doing this for a while now. Uh, Eleven years in the CFL and thirteen as a pro, and then of course college. Uh, you know, so over the years I've adapted and changed. When I was younger. I felt it very important to get to the stadium super early, like be out on the field early, doing my own warm up, running laps around the field, getting a bunch of extra throws in and stuff like that. And it's funny because like I see, you know, our young guys like Nathan Rourke doing that exact stuff now. Uh, Whereas for like the last four or five years, I don't care about that. Uh, I show up, uh, I sit in the locker room, relax, hang out, maybe uh, lay on the floor and listen to some music and uh, foam roll or something like that. I don't even go out to throw uh, until we do pat and go in like, you know, an hour before the game. Whereas I used to be out there like three hours before and stuff like that. Um, So it's interesting. Like, and I have two little kids, right. And and my wife and girls are always in town on home games. So my, my home game, uh, ritual is a little different than my road game ritual on the road. We're just, you know, you're in a hotel, um, you know, and with COVID, like I'm in my own hotel room. I don't even have a roommate anymore. So it's like, I could just like lounge in my bed all day long and not, you know, just keep the, the, yeah. the drapes closed. And it's just like pitch black. And it's like a cave. And I'm just like sleeping <laughs> until 10 minutes before I got to be on the bus. 
Um, at home, it's a little different. Like, like I'm playing dad and like <laughs> trying to entertain the kids and stuff and then get to the stadium. So it's changed over the years. But the most important thing for me um, is just, you know, making sure that when, you know, when I get to the stadium, I'm not rushed. I like to get to the stadium early. Like I said, I don't do anything when I get there. Maybe get a massage from the trainers or something like that. Um, some guys are super weird. Like they have these like rituals that have to be the exact same. Um, they're superstitious and all this stuff. Yeah. I don't really care. I've learned over the years that like some stuff that I was like, I have to do this and like, it doesn't happen. And you like play one of your best games. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? That's the new, that's yeah. the new yeah. ritual. <laughs> Sometimes you forget to do something and you just stink to join up and you're like, Oh my God, it's because I did this. You're like, no, it has nothing yeah. to do with that. So, um, yeah, now anymore, it's just like, I'm the old man in the locker room that's like got my headphones in so I don't have to listen to the the new music and I can just put on some 70s and just get after it. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. I want to respect your time. I want to plow through a, a bunch of BC fans, uh, BC Lion fan questions. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Brent wants to know about the best and worst locker pranks you've been involved in. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's oh, there's so many good ones. Most of them aren't even really appropriate for me to like talk about. So, um, you know, we used to do, uh, we used to do like leaners in, in Edmonton all the time. Like we had these like top shelves of the locker that would open up, they would fold up. And so anytime that like somebody would, would, uh, you know, be upset with somebody else, they like put like a big old bucket of water in there and lean it so that when they come in, they'd open up their locker just to oh, yeah, yeah. on them. Um, we actually, I saw, you know, guys doing leaners, like, like a 55 gallon garbage can leaner of water at the hotel during training camp like guy opened his door and it just got like just blasted him with water <laughs> so that was always a fun one um guys would like baby powder people's entire locker rooms or locker areas so they come in like a rookie screws something up you know the phantom comes in to visit them and all of a sudden like every piece of clothing that they have is just covered in baby powder and, and then you go out to practice you see them like we're going through a warm-up so guys doing like high knees and it's just like every time his foot hits the ground just like baby powder's bursting out of everything <laughs> um i've seen guys you know they'll like they'll they'll soak guys stuff in water and then put it in the freezer and then a couple minutes before practice like put it in their locker so it's just like stiff as a board and you know what are you going to do uh i wasn't a part of this one but i did hear one time a couple of years before i got to edmonton one of the rookies pissed a, a veteran off and while they were at practice they had a local like you know towing company that the guy knew had buddies with come and put his car up on cinder blocks and take his tires and leave and he didn't they didn't put him back on for like a week so you know, there's always interesting awesome. stuff going on um but those are those are fun but probably more yeah, tame the, and i can't really repeat the best that. ones you can't tell you yeah, um Greg says, ask him what he thought about the no fans in the stands and the, the fake crowd noise during COVID. Man, that was weird. You know, um, I think they did the best they could in all these different leagues. Like, you know, they had the NBA with like the digital screens that had like fans and stuff on the screens, yeah. um, you know, and, and then, yeah, pumping the fake crowd noise in, um, you know, NFL games and stuff like that. And then it was also weird because different states had different, uh, reopenings and so like some of the games in florida had actual had people yeah didn't which similarly here like you know in vancouver we have like a cap um of how many people people can be at the games and, and then you know you go to regina it's like a sellout there and it's just like packed so you know I, I think the leagues are doing the best they can i it was weird for sure it's like something i don't ever want to have to go back to is like watching live sports with like empty stadiums and fake crowd noise and stuff like that but it would have been, I think, more weird to have it just be silent. Like, you know, that's, 
we've had scrimmages or stuff like that in the past that have been closed to the public, you know, in Edmonton, we'd be in Commonwealth and there'd be nobody in the stands. And like, we're trying to like have a game atmosphere. And even then we would like pump crowd noise in at speed oh, nice. to make it seem somewhat more realistic, but yeah, otherwise it just seems like a scrimmage. So, you know, I, I don't know. It was again, certainly looking back on it, like, it doesn't seem that weird now, but like, back at the time i was like what the hell is this you know this is weird times we're living in for sure. it is weird yeah for sure um sam wants to know what's your best gray cup story who man again most of those can't be repeated but uh <laughs> i will say this so uh <laughs> one of my good buddies of mine that i played a lot of football with very large man uh with a very large beard. Um, you know, we spent that whole year together eating on the road and everything like that, going, you know, getting keg steaks the night before the game and stuff like that. Um, so we win the cup in, in Winnipeg and we go back to Edmonton a, a day or two, you know, the next morning we're there for I don't know, four or five days. I had to, I had to leave. I probably would have died. I was having too much fun. I needed to get back home, but, uh, right. we, we had, uh, you know, uh, we didn't do like a, a parade. We did like a, a big, uh, whatever you want to call it, massive gathering at the square, uh, downtown. And so they had us meet at the stadium. Um, and they had all the buses sitting there waiting for us to take us to, to the, to the cer to the, you know, the, the party, whatever you want to call it. And so I walk into the locker room and I had grown a beard out too. And my buddy's staring at me and he is clean shaven and he looks like a totally different man. And he points at me and he was like, I told you when we got back, no beards allowed. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to do about that. And he just grabbed me, marched me into the bathroom, uh, handed me a, a razor, an electric razor. And as I'm in his towers above me, he's standing behind me, staring at me in the mirror. And as I'm shaving my beard off, he's got a bottle of fireball and he's hooked it underneath my arm and is pouring it down my throat. And uh, so I stayed nice and warm uh, during that uh, <laughs> activities, but it was, it was definitely uh, forced upon me by a, a much larger man. So that was, uh, <laughs> <Yes. super time. laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Steve's got a great question. Um, which players from the current lions roster would you not want to play against? Hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, you know that already. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, there's a number of, them. I think we have a lot of great players. Um, you know, Burnham, uh, you don't ever want to play against Burnham because he's always going to make some amazing catches and like create momentum. I mean, I played against him for a number of years and I used to watch him just catch like dig routes over the middle in traffic and just, you know, these amazing diving catches and things like that. Um, now that I play with him, I would never want to have to play against him. The same thing with, you know, Lucky Whitehead. He's, he's uh, been a great addition for us, but he's just a headache for people to cover because he's not just speedy, which he is that, but he also runs great routes. Um, you know, so, uh, again, a lot of guys I have played against, you know, I've played with and against Gary Peters, and I think he's a very good player. Marcus sales was a guy that I tried to recruit big time to, to get to come to BC, uh, because I didn't want to play against him anymore. I wanted to play with him. Um, you know, so definitely those guys, um, you know, for sure. Um, you know, all of our guys in the secondary, man, are, are very good. Even our young guys to the field are great players. I play against them every single day at practice. Um, so, you know, uh, but, but the game breakers are the guys that really piss you off. And I, and I don't really concern myself much against the defensive guys. It's when I'm on the bench and I can't do anything about it. And I see another guy on a different team making these plays. That's why, like I said, like Burnham and Whitehead and guys like that are guys that I'm glad they're on our team. I don't want to have to play against those guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael, I'd, I'd love to keep you for a few more minutes. I want to plow through 
yeah, some, some stuff to kind of get to know you beyond what, yeah. you know, you're obviously known for football and sports, mm-hmm. pro sports and stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was the music like in the Riley house as a kid growing up? Like what are your, what are your parents? Oh playing? man. Um, you know, I mean, it was like country music, you know, every time that we'd be in the, in the van with this big van that my mom would be driving around, you know, taking us to all the different errands that she had to run. It'd always be like, you know, Garth Brooks and George Strait and stuff like that playing. Like, honestly, now if you turn on like old school and I say old school, like nineties country, um, on the radio, I, I could probably sing every single song, not well, of course, but I at least yeah, have yeah. lyrics to just about every single song. Um, you know, from that generation, uh, my dad always listened to, you know, Willie and the boys, the four horsemen, stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and so that's what we would, we would go on. Like me and my dad would go on a two hour drive to, to Bluewood to go skiing, you know, every weekend in the winter time. And, and we were always listening to like Waylon Jennings, like all the time. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I can still probably repeat just about every one of those lyrics. So that, that, that's what we listen to. Yeah, dude, um, that, that, that kind of becomes like almost com- it's comfort music at that yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, it's not much. what I listen to now, but I do, I do have that music downloaded on my phone and, you know, I, I never really search for it, but every once in a while I'll put it on shuffle, you know, and, and one of those songs will pop up and I, you know, you don't skip past it. You just kind of listen to it because it's just, just so good from your childhood. Right. So, yeah. So where did you grow up? Uh, Ken Oak, Washington. So okay. uh, for people that are, you know, probably more familiar with like the WHL team, the Tri-City Americans, that's, uh, that's from my hometown. Okay. So what was your first concert? Oh, my first concert. Actually, I never went to a concert when I was a kid growing up. I went to a Pearl Jam concert it was my first concert. It was awesome. Uh, it was um, at the Gorge. Uh, so I went to oh, Central George. Washington University and uh, in Ellensburg, and it's maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour drive to get to the Gorge in George. And it's an awesome venue. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been to it, um, yeah, but it, you know, it's kind of like in this canyon that like overlooks, uh, you know, this drop down to the river and everything like that. It's just awesome. Yeah. It's like a, just a natural amphitheater. Yeah. It's very cool. So very cool. Uh, I went there uh, when I was in college, I don't know, freshman, sophomore year to uh, take in a Pearl Jam concert. It was awesome uh which which when you find time what what which tv shows are you watching what are you binging right now good question again um there's a number of them like apple tv just came out with season two of c uh that has uh jason momoa i believe is the guy's name the guy from the game of thrones uh you know it's called drago and that um and and that's been pretty cool um my wife and i watch chicago fire there's like uh, a million seasons of like chicago fire chicago and med chicago pd so we're like kind of going through that uh phase right now um i'm trying to think it like we binged neither of us had been on game of thrones at all and so we binged through that whole thing at, at one point in time um but yeah c is the one that's out right now that like we're waiting each week uh um, what is it? Ted Lasso. Haven't watched it yet, but I've heard amazing things about it. So I think that's like next on our to-do list. Yeah. That's Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. I mean, I felt like, I mean, I randomly, it's not like on my TV all the time, but like he was on uh, like the Ellen DeGeneres show. And and I was just like passing past the TV and like, I stopped and watched like 20 minutes of it. Cause he was just, yeah. he, was, he was in his element. So I got to check that show out. He just seems like one of those guys, like you'd, you know, just have fun hanging with them. Oh, just, no question. Like, you gotta have some so likable. It'd be a great time. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I, dude, I'm going to respect your time. I'll ask you one, one last question. It's an oddball question. Okay. Perfect. Have you ever had a near death experience and not necessarily, you know, where you're flying over your body or whatever. Yeah, More yeah, like, yeah. Holy crap. I should have died there. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, I have. It, it was so when I was in high school, I was out at a friend's house who lived not that far. And this was so I grew up in Washington, but I graduated from high school in Montana. We moved there midway through my junior year. So I was in Montana. Uh, I think it was my senior year of high school. And uh, I was driving home from a buddy's place. It wasn't super late, but it was like late fall. And, and so it was already dark out, maybe like seven or eight o'clock. But it was just like massive windstorm. Um, like one of those ones where you see like these big trees completely swaying and everything like that. And there's lightning and, and thunder and all this kind of stuff. And, and it wasn't that long of a drive. It was like 10 minute drive to get back to my house. And I'm on two mile drive, which is like very close to where my, my parents' house is. And I'm, I'm within 30 seconds of being home. And as I'm driving down the road, a tree blows over into the middle of the road. I'm going, you know, 40 miles an hour, maybe speed limit, whatever it was but it's got a fork in the, in the trunk and it hits and it hit right as my car drove through it. And my car went through the fork in the tree. And so one second I'm driving the next second, I'm like on an incline sitting there. Um, for some reason, the airbag didn't go off, but uh, cause I think it just went right through the fork, but the, the trunk came through the windshield and was just inches from my face where I stopped. And so I had glass all over me. I had like leaves and stuff. I mean, I had no idea what, <laughs> what the hell's going on here. I'm like sitting in my car, there's a tree in my car. And so, you know, I took a minute to like compose myself and I was able to open the door still. And I like shimmied out from the car and looked at it. And I was like, this Whoa. is back. I'm in high school. We don't have cell phones yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. Like uh, they, they existed, but not in the capacity they do now. So I just like grabbed my keys and I just jogged home. It was like, you know, like a <laughs> two minute jog. So I, I'm, I like run through the backyard and the back sliders locked. And my parents are sitting in the dining room, like talking to each other. I'm like knocking on the door and I got like tree branches. <laughs> like, I got some like cuts on my face. I'm like bleeding. And my mom is like, what the hell is going on? What's going on so, here? Like, so I tell them and we get in their car and we, we drive out of the neighborhood and down the street. And when we pulled up to where it was, my mom, like, cause she was like, I was trying to explain it to her. I don't think they really understood what I was saying, but when we got there and like, she saw it, she just like broke down and started like crying. She was like amazed that I wasn't dead. It was the uh, craziest experience that I've had. And it was super weird, but uh yeah. yeah, it was like a cool story the next day of school. I well, of course, man, for the rest of your life. School, you don't really think much of it, but looking back yeah. on it, I'm like, wow, that that was crazy. So, yeah. And you know what? Most people have a story too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it makes you honestly, you sit there and, and realize like, you know, how precious and fragile everything is. You obviously, you know, I don't want to be one of those people that like sits in and shelters themselves because you're scared of everything. But at the same time, you just, you know, take some appreciation for the day that you have, because, uh, you know, you can look back on it and go, man, one thing could have gone differently and I wouldn't be here right now. So Big time. Sure. yeah, Big time. Michael, thank you again for taking yeah. some time. You're, uh, you're easy to find online. You're uh Reichster 13 on, on that's Twitter. Right. Yeah. That's Are right. you on Instagram as well? I think I have an Instagram. I don't, I've never used it. I think huh. either Emily or, uh, one of the Edmonton or BC, somebody like made it, set it up for me. And I've never actually, used that's it. It. <laughs> like, but I think somebody else like made a Mike Riley Instagram years ago. Cause like people were like, Oh, I followed you on Instagram. You got like a couple thousand followers. And I was like, no, it's definitely like, not. No, it's not me. <laughs> so, you know, awesome. but, uh, yeah, Twitter. And even then Twitter, like I don't use a lot during the football season, but during the off season, I try to get on there and jump on. Say, hey. So yeah, it's just, 
you know, there's just too many things to be distracted by, uh, you know, as it is during a football season that I just try to limit that stuff. But, uh, right. but I, I think, I think it's, I think it's a great way, you know, for people to uh, interact with each other too, though. So, you know, uh, I, I'll get on there every once in a while. Awesome. Well, thank you for, again, for taking the time and, and yeah. joining us during mid season. Yeah, of course, uh, of course. And I, I guess we'll see you online and on the field. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, man. It was definitely a pleasure. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.